Welcome to episode 339 of Destination Linux, your favorite video podcast. My name is Michael. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jill. And on this week's episode, GNOME has decided that they don't like extensions anymore. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. That is not exactly true, Michael. <laughs> you're... you're uh, you're exag- that's clickbait. You're exaggerating what, the situation. What did I exaggerate? Do they promote extensions? They, they love extensions. We'll get into it later. They love uh, them. They, okay, f- we'll, maybe, we'll they like, save it but, for the show. Yeah. We'll get into it. So we're also going to be discussing Intel and do they actually heart Linux and why we're very interested in the work that they're doing. Plus, we have our tips, tricks, and software picks, all of this and more coming up right now on Destination Linux. So let's get this show on the road. In our community feedback this week, we get a feedback from Sean, and he says, Hello, DL. I've listened to the show off and on through the years, and I've recently started listening again. I'm the kind of guy who's very tech savvy when it comes to hardware and similarly on the operating system side. I've been using Windows for since the ME days or the Millennium Edition days, so I'm very familiar with Windows, but not so much Linux. All that said, I'd like to give Linux a true long-term shot but lack of familiarity with terminal commands is being a huge obstacle for me. Are there any simple or more advanced tasks that someone like me can do to help myself get more familiar with the Linux commands and using the terminal? Nice. Well, I love this because I had to do the same thing you're going through now a couple of years ago. I guess, what is it, three, four years ago now? Starting I think to it's catch been up like five or six I can stop saying now. that I'm like, like six. a newbie. <laughs> Now, yeah, it's like one, five I think it's years. past five, and yeah. once you get past five, you're no you longer can, a newbie. <laughs> okay. Well, as no longer a newbie, but only five years ago, I still remember. I still remember what it was like to learn those things. But I knew DOS, like that was the first time I was typing things in a terminal-like environment. Was DOS, and I loved DOS. I loved learning it. I loved the magic of people seeing you use DOS, especially back in the day. Like they were like. They thought it was like magical incantations when you were doing it. Yep. So to me, it's the Google foo period where people see you do Google stuff and all of a sudden you find things. How did you do it? And there's so many different layers. You could just go into the computer and it looks like you're doing magic when really you're just telling it to do something in the back end. Exactly. Having fun with those auto-exec bats and config sys. What was that, Jill? (laughs) Having fun with the auto-exec bat and config sys. (laughs) Yes. All those are awesome things. Yep. And so it was nostalgia for me to learn the Linux terminal. And, you know, when I was going through there and looking at these commands, it was kind of fun. Now, I know not everybody approaches it that way. However, I, you know, try to actually find a way that when I'm trying to learn something new, that I can make it useful in my life because it helps me be able to, you know, want to expend the energy in it. So versus just saying, hey, I want to learn the terminal. I pick something specific that I want it to accomplish. And one of the first things where I really started getting, I felt like comfortable in the terminal was with bash script writing. Oh, yeah. And mm. the reason why I wanted to write bash scripts or the reason I found to write a bash script was because I was distro hopping all the time. Like it became, if, you, if you're someone who's listened to the show for a long time, you'll know there were times where I would distro hop like an hour or two before the show. And just because I remember you know, those days, yeah, <laughs> yes. Michael remembers you those days. Did it like two months ago? Again. Yes, <laughs> I remember. Yeah, Blend OS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. But what happens is, fun for you, you go to a new distro and you want to get all your software that you're typically using on that new distro really quickly. And so what I did is I wrote a Bash script that essentially, as soon as I would install a new distro. I would take this bash script and it would pop up a GUI and have all of my applications listed out that I want to typically install with little check marks because sometimes I wanted certain application on certain computers and not on others. I would check the boxes, hit install, and it would basically go through the command, whether it was Fedora, do DNF, if it was Ubuntu, it would utilize apt and those things. And I could distro hop all over the place. And I actually wrote that at Southeast Linux Fest, the first Southeast Linux Fest we went to. Is where I wrote yeah, that. I remember Michael. that because I remember you sitting at the at the laptop for uh, you get like I'm working on a script I'm like uh, okay I don't know what you're talking about but okay right and then at the end of the weekend he shows it to me like oh okay that kind of script that's pretty cool <laughs> yeah what's interesting is it's actually my most popular item on on GitHub so if you go no out way. there what about Michael AI oh M- Michael AI is probably a close second you know okay 
but it's got quite a few stars. A lot of people have forked it. A lot of people have used it over yeah. the years. I haven't touched it in a few years. So uh, I contributed to it back in the day. Yeah, it probably still runs though because it was it was sophisticated but simple um, in, in how it executed things. So yeah, I think going out there and finding something specific that you want to solve in the terminal is a good way to learn things. And writing bash scripts to do maybe several of those things in a row will really kind of get it in your head of how those things work. But try to find something to solve and make it more fun, more useful for you, I think is a good way. Because otherwise, you're going to get a lot of advice of, you know, go out there on this website and they'll have a list of terminal commands or people will post them. But how often are you going to use those in your everyday life unless you're a sysadmin? For the most part, it's to me, it's more about finding the useful stuff that you're going to use in your day-to-day work. And I think you'll find yourself starting to memorize it and find the terminal uh, easier as you go. I think that's a great point. And uh, Bash Scripts is a really good way because you can learn various different commands through writing the Bash Scripts because you'll learn what you can do with various different, basically, the packages. So you can use, like talked last week about sed. You can use sed for a lot of stuff and you can include it in a Bash Script and do like tons of things. So th- the hard thing about this particular question is once you've got familiar with all of these different commands, you kind of forget how you learned them, you know? Mm. Like there's a few things that are great to know, like ls, where you can quickly go through and see what files you have in a folder. Right. And then there's other things. I think probably the most useful will be alias because then you can create your own commands and just make whatever be whatever you want. And that's a, a good mm. option for basically creating something that you can simplify and then learn how these other commands work. So as you build them, you're learning what they how they do everything. There's an, one I think is a good way to start is to learn with your package manager. Like if you're using a Debian-based system, you could learn with apt and you'll see all the different stuff you can do with apt. And that will give you like the syntax between the parameters and the options and the, the continuation stuff you can do with like autocomplete. There's a lot of different ways to do it. And I don't think there's actually a right way, but there are like learning Linux tutorial, uh, to terminal command stuff on tutorials. I would suggest looking for those, but I also want to put in something that I think is going to be maybe a controversial statement. You don't need to, you don't need to learn the commands line if you don't want to. That's what's cool about Linux these days. Yeah. It's not required anymore. Yeah, that's true. That's so true. Well, well, me, I'm like uh, Ryan um, uh, talking about uh, creating Bash scripts to do certain tasks. And, you know, that Bash scripts are a wonderful tool to get to know the terminal more. Absolutely. That's, that's one that I suggest my students to to do too, <laughs> is to learn bash scripts. And mm-hmm. uh, I came from the world of Unix and also DOS. So like you, yeah. Ryan, I was I was editing those config.sys and autoexec bat files to make my computer do all kinds of cool things when it booted, like loading mouse drivers and uh, CD-ROM drivers. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and make cool menus that would link to programs so you never had to yep. you know, go into the terminal <laughs> and stuff like that. So that's a, a, a bash scripts are awesome. In fact, I have a bash script that runs every time I turn on this com- computer. It, it, it just uh, loads all the programs that I use for the show. In yeah. Window Maker. In fact, you can do that bash script to do different things. Like um, if you have Jack set up, I remember their bash script yeah. set up. I think I actually have one on my page as well, where it will automatically take out uh, Pulse Audio at the time. And so it could re-implement Jack and then turn back on the Pulse Audio piece afterwards and do things in certain uh, order so that you could get certain things to work. You don't need to do that today because we have Pipewire. But back in the day, those type of things were very useful uh, to, to learn to use. And yeah, you can even have it execute programs and do all kinds of different things behind the scenes. Just find some kind of fun project. But here's a little side note. We've got to talk about DOS a little bit here. When I was naming my YouTube channel, it was originally going to be DOS Geek. That's right. DOS Geek. You know, that was because yeah. I loved DOS so much and I had so much fun of it. And a lot of it was because what a lot of Linux users experience, when you're good at something like DOS, people are blown away by it. Mm-hmm. Like they're really impressed. I remember people being really like, wow, you know how to navigate through DOS, you know, and I could fix things even going wrong yeah. in the early days with like Windows 3.11. Yeah. 
<laughs> through that DOS prompt. So, you know, it, it was just really cool um, to have that type of uh, knowledge back then. But anyways, absolutely. So, DOS, a little nostalgia for you. And by the way, if you're wondering why I'm talking weird, Michael made me get dental surgery right <laughs> yeah, before this surgery. That would never <laughs> so it's the fact that he right. came on the show. That's why I'm hosting this show, even though last week I also hosted the show. We usually do this rotational thing, yeah. but Ryan couldn't do it because he decided that for some reason he needed needles in his face. <laughs> and that's what happened. And he, so we'd have to just clarify, Ryan, when did you get done with the dentist in comparison to when you came here to start the show? <laughs> so I, I finished with the dentist and had some work done on the left side. So my entire left side is all completely numb, multiple things done. And then I drove home, ran upstairs and started the show. So within 20 minutes of finishing. Well, so first if of I all, talk I like weird, say, yeah, then that's why. I would like to say first, that's impressive that you're dedicated to the show that much. Thank you. Also, you're insane. And somehow it's hard to tell. Like, I don't know how you're talking. When I get those kind of like numb mouth feelings, I, I feel like I'm just like babbling and talking gibberish sometimes. Yeah. It so feels alien. Like, I feel like I have this <laughs> big giant bulb on the side of my face and like my lips aren't moving right. So I feel like I sound really weird. But uh, yeah, if I come across sounding a little different, that's why. Oh, you sound great, Ryan, despite Thanks, everything. See, Jill's got empathy, unlike Michael. <laughs> I was more impressed than I am empathetic. <laughs> empathetic. <laughs> yeah. Because you chose to schedule it this day. Yeah. You could have yeah. just chose a different day. Well, it was an appointment that was available. Dentists are hard to get. You know, good dentists are hard to get on their books. So this yeah. was what was available. I took it, you know. But yeah, it was mistakes were made. <laughs> mistakes were made. <laughs> Distro hopping right before the show. You yeah. Know? But now exactly. I dentist, dentist and show. Mistakes have been made. Recently in a blog post on the development blog for Gnome Shell and Mutter, Gnome announced something that will probably create some issues both for users and developers of extensions. Gnome has decided to migrate Gnome Shell from GJS to standard JavaScript modules. Like I said in the intro, they decided they don't like extensions anymore. And that's what's going on here. So that's not give you, true. What? What? That's not true. Gnome Are you saying that I'm purposefully misinterpreting this? They're making a fantastic decision to future-proof the longevity of extensions by making it a standard JavaScript module coding instead of using GJS, which is a non-standard JavaScript module, and therefore they are prolonging the life of... You're welcome, Gnome. I that got your a, back. That is a great way of saying breaking stuff. So... Yes. This is an interesting change in a lot of ways. And I will give them a little bit that that is true. It is something that's it's ultimately a good thing to do because standardization on the modules for JavaScript is going to be good for everybody, but not right now. So I think we need to touch on the history of this to give it some context. So JavaScript has been around for over 25 years. And originally, its purpose was just to add a little bit of interactivity to a static page on the, on the website. There wasn't really a need to do anything else. There wasn't really a need to think about architecture or any of that sort of stuff or the complexity of it because at the time it was mostly just small code snippets. So modularity and performance wasn't really a concern back then. Fast forward to today and well, actually many years ago, not just today, but developers have been doing it for a while. They've been starting to crank out some really cool apps powered by JavaScript, which is cool, impressive and problematic because the language wasn't really built for this. This resulted in a variety of frameworks and things to be built on top of it to compensate for this oversight. Examples of this are Gnome's GJS, but also Node.js, jQuery, AngularJS, and many others. There was an effort to standardize this though, so that's really good, and all that became a thing in 2015. That was when the XMAScript six standards were made. Gnome has decided to switch from using GJS, like I said, even though it has supported ES modules since 2021, because having a separate framework on top of the thing that they already have, it doesn't really make sense for very long. All right, good decision. The, yeah, it's good. The usage of the standardizations of the ES modules will make it possible for a variety of benefits. Complying with standards is always a good idea, of course, but this makes it for people who are familiar with developing for those standards, to be able to easily jump into Gnome development at least in theory, so I like that. Now, 
there are some drawbacks to this. I mentioned how they want to break extensions. And that's kind of a joke because for those who are not familiar, GNOME extensions break every time GNOME updates. Mm -hmm. And for the most part, those they're, they're superficial breaks. They're basically version number breaking. And that's a that's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I, I never understood why I would just not let the ver versions that work if they worked. But this is a joke on that sense, but this is actually much different because there's going to be uh, quite a few breaks here and it's not a simple version change. Now, we mentioned the drawbacks, so let's talk about them specifically. And the biggest drawback here is compatibility with various versions of GNOME itself. So starting with GNOME 45, every extension made for GNOME 45 will not work in GNOME 44 and older, and every extension made for GNOME 44 and older will not work in GNOME 45. So this is an issue, but I also wanted to make note of this because the developer who wrote this blog post called this particular drawback a teeny tiny drawback. And as someone who has developed extensions and maintained extensions, it's not that, it's not teeny tiny in my opinion. <laughs> but don't you think they have to at some point kind of make this decision where you're in this kind of in-between, right? Where if you're going to move away from GJS, which I think we all agree probably makes sense. Maybe it made sense back in 2021 or earlier, but it certainly makes sense for them to do that at some point. That at some point, you're going to have to deal with the fact that you've kind of got and older versions that are still out there in certain distros that are going to need the GJS version. And you got the newer versions that are going to come with 45 that are going to need just the JS version of this. And the developers are going to have to maintain two versions of it in order for it to work. I mean, at some point they would have to make that decision. Are, are you saying that they should have maybe created an easier way to import well, or did they create an easy way for them to import their GJS into Not import, but JS? porting. There is ability to port. And some extensions can port fairly simply. Some of them are more complex, depending on how complex the extension itself is. But the, uh, it's a good point that they were going to need to do this at some point if they were going to standardize. So it's ultimately a good thing they're doing it. It's ultimately a thing that it was bound to happen. Yeah. It's just the timing of this is just slightly problematic and a little bit bothersome because they're announcing this with the latest version of GNOME, which is just after Debian releases, which means there's another two years for Debian users to get the new versions of GNOME. And then there's other distros that have, you know, six-month releases, and they might be too far into the, the release cycle in order to have that. So, for example, will 2310 have GNOME 45? I don't know. If so, great. But if not, that would be a problem. So it just isn't, it's just, I would just hope they would time it better in terms of when they decide to make this change to make it easier for the users who don't have to worry about what distro they're using. Because now with these two different versions, either the developer has to support two different for years at this point, or the users have to change distros in order to have certain extensions. It's just, that's the feel like I have. If they had scheduled it a little bit better, maybe they could have avoided that particular piece. Mm, good point, Michael. I was thinking, uh, you know, they, the app maintainers and developers, you know, it takes them time to upgrade their extensions. And honestly, I'm probably going to wait to update my GNOME on some of my distros in, in, until those apps, those uh, plugins get upgraded and extensions. You know, it's it's definitely. Yeah. So, do you use a lot of extensions yeah. still on GNOME? I I actually have. Who doesn't? Yeah, <laughs> I have. Some people claim they don't. You know, <laughs> because they come with a distro that has like five or six built in by yes. default. Just probably. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, two of my favorite extensions are Dash to Panel and Dash to Dock, and they're some of the most popular. Now, Dash to Dock has a GNOME 45 extension already available at extensions.gnome.org, nice. but. Dash to panel doesn't yet. And yeah, so we have to be very patient. And um, to Michael's point, I think the it's also hard for distro maintainers like Pop OS who use Dash to Dock in the Cosmic GUI. They've integrated 
you know, dash to dock in there. So they have to make all the changes too. And it just, it's going to take them a while, but I think there was probably no good time to make these changes really. Uh, Because there's so many distros. Yeah. How do you time it? Right. There's no good time. There's just less terrible time. Yeah, I agree. They they chose right (laughs) after Debian released a new version which means another two years before Debian has the updated GNOME with a new right. extension system. Yeah. And maybe even three years, depending on how fast Debian decides to release the new stable, because it's either they never have an actual time period. They have a two to three years whenever it's ready kind of thing. I so think it's just the biggest like those issue kind of is really that a lot of the extensions that exist out there, and it's gotten better to give GNOME some credit in some areas. When I say better, I don't mean they've actually resolved the entire issue for some of these extensions, but like sound output choosers and things like that being in the in the taskbar. Um, the background app notification, at least there's something, even though you have to search for it now, uh, that lets you know there are background apps running potentially in the background. But they, it also they are, requires the app to support that particular mm-hmm. API, which most yeah, don't. Yes, like I said, it's not perfect, but they're trying to do some things to incorporate that because one of the problems with GNOME is that extensions are a crutch for the developers. And there are very yeah. basic features that, dis- that desktop environments should have that GNOME doesn't oftentimes. And the extensions allow you to add those. But the extensions are not even something, they use it as a crutch, but then they don't even advertise it. Like when you get into GNOME, it doesn't say, hey, here, go install all these extensions. Here's some recommended extensions or our favorite extensions or anything else. So mm-hmm. if you're a new user in a Linux, you can go into GNOME for the first time and you're looking to do some of these simple things that GNOME doesn't have out of the box, but you can do through an extension, you're not going to know what the heck it's talking about or how to get to them. And it's not generally that simple to get all of the extension stuff. When I say not simple, for me and you and people who've been in Linux for a while, yes, we know the steps. We know how to get the extensions in there. But for somebody who's never used Linux before coming from Windows or something, the system is rather archaic to go and install GNOME extensions or even find out they exist. It's honestly kind of silly. It's not even just archaic. It's kind of silly at this point to even have a system like that. But if you're going to have the system, because I think you could turn extensions into something that could be really unique, where you could add really customized things and widgets and stuff like that to a desktop environment, like other desktop environments do, um, and take the features that are most popular in your extensions and actually code them into your operating system to make them a choice for people to use so that these extensions stop being such a major part of the GNOME experience. You're suggesting they add features. That's not what they do. What are you talking about? (laughs) I I know the GNOME team likes to take the Apple philosophy of taketh away and then bringeth back for celebration. But (laughs) I really feel like we're past that now. Like, you know, you've seen the iPhone 15. It's a big bust. The Apple way is not always the way to keep going here with removeth and then bringeth back. Um, I, you know, I think there's some work that the GNOME team needs to do there. And I like GNOME. This is coming from someone who has mm-hmm. uh, utilized GNOME a lot, and I enjoy some of the things they do. They do well. In fact, they do better than most DEs in a lot of cases. I think the sure. simplicity of GNOME and the beauty of GNOME out of the box is absolutely second to none. But I'm using KDE right now in Blend OS, and I can use any desktop environment I want. With one command, I can switch anytime I want. <laughs> There it is. I'm sitting in KDE because KDE is really beautiful now too. And all the features that I expect to be there, like, hey, these are your apps running in the background on my taskbar and stuff like that are just there. I don't have to go hunt for them. I don't have to worry, did the developer write the special GNOME code into their app to let it know that it's running in the background or any of this nonsense. I think they overcomplicate things by trying to make them too simple in some cases. And I think GNOME's a great environment, but I believe that probably if System76 is able to pull off what they're wanting to do with Cosmic, I think GNOME's in big trouble. I think you're going to see a lot of people and a lot of distros running over to that because it's just, uh, I think people are a little bit exhausted with GNOME. Yeah, I think that's an interesting way of putting it because uh, I felt that myself years ago and i i used to be an, a gnome user 
for at least three or four years or so, I was exclusively GNOME. There was a and time I, you didn't use KDE? There was a time, yes. It's, hmm. it's been a very long time from now, but there was a time. <laughs> and I would have conversations with people trying to explain why GNOME is so much better and how the workflow is. I still like the workflow. It's still my yes. favorite. Yeah. Workflow still. And that even the new workflow is even better. So I, I would argue with people about this work. The GNOME workflow is good. Like this, this other piece of GNOME is good. The extensions are cool. And then I had a conversation with someone who was a KDE enthusiast and they convinced oh, me the to, to try <laughs> KDE and I realized the error of my ways and not using KDE. So I now use that. But the thing about GNOME is you mentioned earlier the extensions are kind of hard to get used to and how, to, how they're silly in a way. So I just want to make it clear for those who are not familiar with how it works. If you're using a distro that does not come with extensions by default or a way to install extensions by default, getting extensions is very confusing. Yeah. Even for people who are experienced because GNOME does not show you anything about how to get them. It doesn't even tell you they exist. So if you go to the GNOME store, the GNOME app for, for installing stuff, then you'll, you'll actually be presented with some extensions in like certain sections of some distros. Not all distros do that, but some of them do. And then all of the extensions in that list have no screenshots, have barely any uh, notification of what they do. It's just basically the package name and then that's it. So it's not that great. Then you go to the website, if you know that that website exists, to look at what it can do. And then when you try to install it from that website, well, that has to be integrated into your system before that works. And you needed a package to make that work. It's just a bunch of different pieces that just get in the way. So an average user would not even know that they exist. And when they did find them, they'd probably get frustrated from the fact of, how do I even install these things? And so mm. GNOME has a welcome screen, like a welcome with system. And I think that should be f like, f maybe not the first thing they see, but definitely in that, that application. It should they be on near, the forefront. Near the first, right. Yeah, yeah, it should be really close. Mostly because if the extension system is there, let people use it. And if you're especially you're going to promote things and say, hey, we're going to remove stuff out of our desktop and because you can have it as an extension, great, but make it easy to get it. It shouldn't have the combination of it's so simple, you can't even find the stuff, you know? Yeah. So you know what? It could just be integrated into GNOME software. So there's yes. an extension yep. subject and then you can search for them and then just automatically install them. Yeah. yeah. Also, just real quick. There's these extensions are mostly third party. Sometimes they're not, but they're mostly third party. And I just want to, to, you know, bring it home and like just get the full clarification. There's a third party manager to manage your extensions. Yes. That shouldn't be needed yeah. is what we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> but it is ultimately a good thing that they're making these changes, even though it's going to create some issues, even though the timing's not great. Eventually, this will be a good experience for other people. But it also might be a good opportunity for the developers of other DEs because if users are going to get frustrated by this and they're not going to be able to have their extensions if they upgrade or if they don't upgrade because they need these extensions, maybe they'll try out some other DE. So in a way, it's it might be just a opportunity for others to... Cosmic, cosmic, get, cosmic. <laughs> to progress. I am looking forward to Cosmic for sure. As a yeah. KDE diehard fan, I am looking forward to Cosmic. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I think it could breathe some new life into what's possible in a desktop environment. If they're able to Absolutely. pull off everything they're talking about, yes. it, it's really going to be something that I think will... Um, absolutely upset the current popularity of the current DEs out mm -hmm. there. It has the potential to. And, and, and it has turn, the potential to not. Yeah. But I'm really on the side of, um, I'm very hopeful because I think there's this need to find the really good in between KDE and GNOME. Yeah, there's something absolutely. there like that in between would be the perfect sweet spot. What is it? The three little piggies and the uh, little girl? Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. Or the bears. The three little bears. Not three, the three little, little bears. Pigs, the three little bears and the little girl. Goldilocks. I love how, I love how <laughs> yeah. you said it and we, you were asking us what it was and neither one of us corrected yeah. you and we because we're yeah. like yeah three pigs of course that's yeah. that's, that's a whole other one. that's a whole yeah. other story yes the porridge it was too hot yeah. that's yeah, kde yeah, the bears yeah the porridge <laughs> is too cold that's gnome the porridge is just right could be cosmic de you yeah know? could be cosmic and interesting and in turn yeah. you know cosmic will 
progress the ecosystem as well. So GNOME will get better. KDE will get better. That, we'll be that's the beauty of, of Linux. Mm -hmm. That's <laughs> the beauty of competition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I can just hope that there's some updates uh, that are a little bit more sophisticated on Window Maker in the future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is my favorite I was gonna, I, window manager. Yes. I think you could just say, I hope that there's still updates on Windows. Oh, there are. I just installed the latest one, in fact. I did. I covered it. I covered Window yes. Maker's latest release on Twill. Yes. Just because Jill is, is, like, is her favorite. And I, and, and I don't know anyone else who uses it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that you did that, Michael. <laughs> but I think that's great. I'm looking forward to it. I also like the point you said, like the middle thing, because if you think about it, GNOME is like, a really nice looking system that isn't the greatest experience for the user. And KDE is a really awesome experience for the user that takes a lot to get started with and get used to. So yeah. there's mm -hmm. a, there, there should be a hybrid. Yeah. A hybrid right in the middle. Some say it would Cosmic be XFCE. DE. It's going to take over the world. I'm hyping it, man. I'm hyping it. <laughs> I you are. plan to hype it. I just, all of a sudden I'm feeling this Cosmic DE. The Cosmos <laughs> is speaking to me. And it's like, I it's think it's the, because of all the numbing in your face. It could oh, be. Oh, yeah. Could be. Yeah. There's too much, too much Novocaine in my body or something. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. <All right. laughs> Poor Ryan. This episode of Destination Linux is sponsored by Linbit. Linbit has been keeping digital businesses running for over 20 years. They're the makers of open source products like DRBD, which is high availability software that has been part of the Linux kernel since 2010, and LinStore, industry-leading open source software-defined storage. Linbit has an active presence in the open source community, and they collaborate with the community to help identify and build new features. Linbit provides enterprise-grade software that runs on a variety of platforms and OSs without vendor lock-in. What that means is, is that you could choose the software on any platform, including specific hardware that you want to use or just off-the-shelf hardware that you get and connect it. You get, all of this stuff can be interchanged really easily. And with DRBD and LinStore, you can have high-speed replicated block storage in almost any configuration. Whether it's Kubernetes, Apache Cloud, or Open Nebula, there's even DRBD proxy for long-distance replication. Linbit is run by its founders to this day, and all of its engineers and developers are in-house with offices in Europe and North America, which allows them to have global 24-7 support to complement their enterprise offerings. Visit linbit.com to learn more about the people behind Linbit and the awesome software for block storage, duplication, and more. Speaking of Cosmics, there's another star in the show, and that's Intel. Intel has been a key partner to Linux when it comes to driver support. Few hardware companies, in fact, have been open source friendly as long as Intel has, and also friendly to supporting Linux directly because they've been doing hardware support for their stuff in the Linux kernel and just contributing to Linux kernel itself in other ways. And in several kernel versions, Intel has even been in the top two companies for biggest contributions to the Linux kernel, surpassing at times companies like Red Hat and Google. So we're excited about the fact that Intel is taking on the duopoly of AMD and NVIDIA with their entry into dedicated graphics cars, namely their Intel ArcLine. Yeah, I have been excited. We've talked about it on Hardware Attic several times. I've been excited about Intel Arc for a minute, namely because AMD and NVIDIA are equally frustrating in the GPU world right now with their prices, with the features that they're rolling out. I think both of them failed, in my opinion, pretty heavily during the whole situation where we were not getting shipments of these cards in and they were allowing people to scalp on top of that and they weren't putting any restrictions in place fast enough. And I think they, and, and I predicted this on Hardware Addict several years ago, that they were going to ruin gaming on PC and that console gaming would once again take over and become more popular than computer gaming. Like they were going to completely wreck the industry because they were so excited about the money that was coming in with cryptocurrency and scalping that they couldn't see that the people who actually would be using those cards when those two things died, which cryptocurrency isn't dead, but people aren't mining with cards anymore uh, nearly as much as they used to, uh, barely at all with GPUs. And of course, you know, the supply chain issue got fixed and the scalper thing 
Well, that's still an issue with everything now. Like, have you noticed that, by the way, that everybody's scalping everything? Like, yes. it can be yeah. like now it's Halloween decorations. <laughs> People are going and buying these like skeletons and stuff at Home Depot that, that you decorate your yard with. And then we're seeing them on like the neighborhood pages. Let's say the skeleton's $200 and it's a really popular one. People want in their yards. They're selling it for seven, $800. Like, I hate you if you do that. Like, <laughs> literally hate yeah. you. Like yep. you, you are taking away and people do this at Christmas with kids toys and stuff. Like, yeah, it's so wrong on so many levels. It's so greedy. Anyways, sorry. I so don't mind <laughs> people taking products and marking them up as a business, but oh. that's usually when you buy a wholesale thing and then you take that product and then you sell it with an extra piece on it and, or attach a service to it. Or if you do something, that's fine. But if you're just taking products and then marking it up beyond MSRP, then you're basically doing. I I, I don't you're necessarily basically hate a people trash for that. human being. Like that's yeah. it. You're just okay. a trash <laughs> human being. I, 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 I really I, feel now, that way. At they, this they point, really, Ryan has convinced me. I do hate those people. <laughs> yeah, because I, I've seen in the GPU time when they were doing this with GPUs, people would take pictures of their room with boxes from floor to ceiling with GPUs. Meanwhile can't get them for your kids. You can't get them for anybody who actually has their computer that broke during that time. Nobody can get a hold of one while Joe Bob figured out some plan to steal 800,000 of these and mark them up a thousand dollars a piece. You're not a smart business person. You're a complete jack in the box. Okay. That's all you are. You're just a, a jack. And that the box. is not a jab at the restaurant called Jack in the Box. That just yes. uh, happens. To they it. may have good burgers. I don't know. No, we, we have don't one know. around here. Have to check they have out. good but, curly okay. fries. So, AMD and NVIDIA, getting back to the story here. Whoa, you know, we're talking they, about something. Okay. They didn't do very good handling all of these situations, and it was clear that we needed to break up the duopoly and have somebody else enter into the GPU market. But who has the money to go out there and research and all these very expensive processes and things to develop and manufacture these cars? Well, Intel. I know who. I know who. Bum, 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 bum. Yep. <laughs> Who's that? Dun, dun, dun. Oh, Intel that's the song. Intel sound. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. Okay. You didn't do it very good. I don't feel like I was very excited when Intel announced that they were going to enter the GPU market. Now I was hoping because Intel, they they got some really awesome technology in the processor world. I was really hoping they were going to come out and really go after kind of the mid and high range. But Intel took a different tactic, which probably was smart considering there's just a lot of experience you've got to gain to kind of catch up to. Uh, in the dedicated market to AMD. They're, they're basically making entry-level cards because yeah. they are now at the entry level of making GPUs. They've entered yeah. it, right? They've just entered it. Yeah. And so I remember when I told people that AMD was going to come out with some amazing cards and getting a lot of flack for that because AMD had a bad reputation. But AMD had a lot of experience even at that time making GPUs over the years. They just, their CPUs were junk, their GPUs were junk for a while. And then Lisa Sue took over and kind of changed all of that. But, you know, AMD obviously is caught up. And I'm hoping the same thing happens with Intel. Because while I like AMD, and there are many episodes you could follow on the way back when I was defending AMD of how good AMD was going to be, and you're welcome, I was right, uh, I really want the third party to come in there and, and help disrupt this so we can get better prices out there and we can get more stock and things in there. One of the things that's really interesting about this Intel Arc is that it's been out there now for, you know, I think maybe several years, but at least a year these cards on the market and Intel keeps pumping out the drivers to keep Yay. improving these cards that are already yes. on the market more and more and more. And their driver updates are like constant and they're doing huge things. So it's almost like Intel was like, Hey, we've got this hardware, but it's going to take time for us to get the software where we want it. So we're going out there an entry level, but their recent patch Unlocked 15% performance boost on yeah. their cars. 15% That's is huge. freaking huge Yes, on a card. Yeah. Well, you know, that's, I mean, that's a crazy amount of performance, but also I think that that is awesome that they're still doing that and they're increasing their performance of their cards that they already have in the market, which, hey, AMD and NVIDIA, think about yeah. that. Yeah. Then the, the, the <laughs> other thing I think is probably maybe even more impressive and more just exciting to me is that they have dedicated resources specifically for Linux, and they even publicly claim that Linux will be treated as an equal to Windows in the time they spend tuning the drivers. And that does kind of, with that updates the performance and stuff like that, it does ring true for that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And, and something else that is huge. 
uh, when the Intel Arc was announced, they were coming out of the box with AV1 support and support for content creation. That's something that AMD didn't have at that time. And NVIDIA was price gouging to have have that, <laughs> you know, have a, a GPU acceleration and whatnot and encoding. So here Intel come, comes in and, hey, let's, let's come in with some lower price cards and make them great for content creation as well. And you can use it, you know, uh, plug in the, the art card along with your NVIDIA GPU or your AMD GPU if you just want to do content creation with it. And mm -hmm. that was brilliant, but it's even better now that the prices are down because they're getting ready to come up with a new line. So you can get like the ARC A750 on Amazon for only $220 right now. And that's a good entry level price. What is this, the 1980s? Yeah. <laughs> we got a card that's not 1,956 yeah, bucks. Yeah. Because Scalper Bob out there couldn't keep his hands off it in the store. Yeah. Actually, I think the GPUs in the 80s are probably much more expensive. <laughs> they, well, shut up. they were, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I remember spending $1,000 before. What is this, the 2014s? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. yeah. The eight before Scalper Bob was born and ruined their earth <laughs> with his stupid scalping. <laughs> Your lack of skill and thought. Oh, Create a real gosh. business. Yeah. You loser. Well, you know, back in the day, I, really the, the cards I needed for video capturing that were also um, classic video cards as well, but also had uh, video encoding capabilities were like 10 grand, 10 to 20 grand. That was just normal. <laughs> that was horrible. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> So yeah, so now you ac actually can get again. You can get that A seven fifty for two hundred twenty on Amazon, and that's the eight gig um, card and their eight gig one. And you can also get the sixteen gig one, the A seven seventy, for only three hundred and seventy seven dollars, which is the lowest price on a sixteen gigabyte card right now. <laughs> yeah. so I'm really hoping that they can get this card to work with things like DaVinci Resolve. Yes. And even, you know, like being able oh, yeah. to utilize it in OBS where you can use the hardware encoder. Yeah. Where, you know, today you have used CUDA, I think, for NVIDIA. And then AMD has a version that's complete trash for their hardware that sometimes works, but most of the software like Blender and stuff doesn't recognize it ever in Linux yeah. because they don't write the drivers for it correctly. And so like if Intel could fix that gap, I think that uh, I would own an Intel GPU tomorrow if I knew that those type of things. And I probably will pick one up to do some testing with yeah. just to see what it is capable of because I'm so excited about them being in there. But they've got a new offering coming as well where you know the rumor is they're going to start going after more of that high mid-range, not necessarily coming out to beat the, you know, um, 18 foot 4090 or whatever it is that 18 foot long by 200 pound 4090, but the mid-high range in their expected Q2 of 2024. I hope they stay in this market. We need a third player in this market desperately. And uh, Intel's definitely one to watch. Yeah, for yeah that's a, it's a good company to be in that space too. And it's kind of interesting that it took them so long. You know, they've been mm -hmm. in the CPU world for decades and yeah. why did it i don't know but it's good that they are and also the fact that they're so compatible and so integrated with linux there's so much potential and i want them to be the option because i, I i'm not necessarily a hardware person but i've had preferences in hardware throughout the years and it used to be nvidia was the go-to because you didn't really have a choice and it used to be that the intel wasn't was a go-to because you didn't have the choice and they both kind of stagnated and just didn't bother to innovate and then amd came out of nowhere and starts crushing them mm -hmm. and then they decide okay now we'll fight back and then you have the change of hands where amd becomes a dominant and amd was so much into the linux compatibility i i got am everything amd my laptop my desktop the gpu the cpu all of its amd but that's because it provided a ease of use and it provided a compatibility factor. Not because it was necessarily the best option, because I later found out that the CUDA core stuff from NVIDIA is awesome, and I kind of wish I had that. But Intel is a situation where they don't just skimp out on their products, and they also don't skimp out on the support for Linux because they've been 
having support for all of their CPUs for decades. And if they do the same level stuff for their GPUs and they have that combination of the CPU and GPU thing, you basically have the recipe for a fantastic competition between both AMD and NVIDIA. So I hope that they become that. I'm going to tell you something really fun is I have told my husband the next time he takes me to Micro Center, I'm going to be picking picking up a, you know, an art card, a 750 or a 770. And I think that's why he hasn't taken me there in a while. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, he should take you there because if he see if you were asking for an NVIDIA or an AMD card, it would be three times that price out there. And I've already spent those prices. You know, I got an RX 6950 right now on this machine. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you get a new GPU, Jill. Let's say, you know, your husband takes you to Micro Center this weekend, gets you a brand new GPU, you drop the 377, you install it. What game might you install on the, on your machine to play on that Intel Arc this week? I would probably my my first test game is always the Telus Principle. That, that's nice. a good game to test cards with. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> that's a great one. By the way, one of my favorite games yes. of all time. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how well that would run, Cyberpunk 2077. There's probably some frame rate stuff out there uh, for Actually, it. Actually, I have, probably in- have seen some coverage already, and it's it's kind of yeah. kicking butt with it. It's the, the Intel Arc nice. is doing very well with the Cyberpunk. Nice. <laughs> you know what other game I think you should try on it? It's a game that was made in like three days. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, Ryan. <laughs> and, you know, how, how good of a game could you create if you only had three days to complete it? I know Michael well, like Ryan. Ryan and I only had three days. It'd be the most amazing game ever. Yeah. yeah. We, we, we only need two days. Thank you. I created oh. Michael AI in like two hours. So oh, yeah, exactly. I'm impressed and proud, Ryan. Thank you, Jill. So, well. If you looked at it, you wouldn't be. <laughs> you can Shut actually up, find out with our gaming pick this week. It's actually called I Made a Game in Three Days. <laughs> Freaking genius. Right it's, to the point. It's really I love that. genius. And in this whimsical game, you actually yield a swinging axe and sword attacks on hordes and hordes of ghosts, being careful not to die in the process. <laughs> because after all, it is a roguelike. So if you die, you are permanently dead until you hit restart again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was only made in three days. Yeah, it was time only to made in spawn points and e- stuff. Exactly. Yeah. But I wanted to read what the, the developer states on the Steam webpage for the game. He says, Embark on a buggy adventure, and I made this game in three days. I'm not kidding <laughs> when I say this roguelike masterpiece was birthed in just 72 hours. Drive headfirst into a realm of whimsical chaos where every bug is a feature and every glitch is a delightful surprise. (laughs) And that it is. That's a a very apt description, that's for sure. And one of my favorite parts of this game is actually the music. The music complements the very simple graphics while you frolic in a sea of pixelated ghosts. And in fact, while I wrote the review, I was letting the game play just so I could listen to the awesome music. It's it's amazing. It's it's fun and energetic uh, chip tones, and I know Michael would enjoy it too. <laughs> so I had it. I on. do love me some chip tune. <laughs> yes, it's so great. Oh, and and it and it fits in perfectly with Destination Linux because chip tune music. You can manipulate you using Linux on on different uh, old school and new school hardware. <laughs> chip tunes, huh? Yeah, chip tunes. You could Zeb would love this game. Oh, pixel graphics. Would love this game. <laughs> chip tunes. You know, so, this is so for those who don't know what chip tune is. It's EDM, but with like MIDI music. It's, it's it's fun. I like that genre. Yeah. Also, this game reminds me a lot of the I Made a Game with Zombies in it. Yes. yeah. We featured on a previous episode of the show. And that that game had a good music too. And but mostly because they sang the name of the song song. in the game. That was incredible. (laughs) Have you been listening to country, Michael? (laughs) No. What? Okay. If you look at your the last sentence you said that game had a good music too. 
I thought maybe you were listening to some How country dare music. You? How <laughs> dare you? This is like two weeks in a, go, well, in a row you made fun of the way I speak. How dare you? <laughs> especially with someone, who, too, especially with someone who's half this face is numb. Shut your face. <laughs> Shut your right half of your face. <laughs> but also, I like the fact that this game, the developer of this game is named Another Quick Project. Yes. And that's, that's a good developer name for something that takes three days. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and, and this game's only 99 cents on Steam, and it works on our Linux penguins out of the box. So make sure to go check it out. It's a lot of lot of fun. Even though I, roguelikes aren't always my favorite <laughs> because of permadeath, but with this one, I, I kept going back to try and get better and better and, and go through the level and, and kill more ghosts. So it was worth the journey. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's really cool that they put challenge out there to make a game in three days. They're still doing updates to it, by the way. So Absolutely. they made it in three days, but they're updating things yeah. and making stuff even cooler as they go along. And oh, that's cheating! I, <laughs> yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's really fun. What it's kind of funny how I want. The, I'm saying it's cheating at the same time. I want every <laughs> other game to update. You know, yeah. because it's important yeah. for the course, like bug fixes and stuff. But right. also, I want them to have a celebrity endorsement. Specifically, one person. I want them to get the rapper Post Malone, so they can have a special edition of one of the ones of the enemies called Ghost Malone. <laughs> Ghost Malone. Ghost Malone. I, just, yeah. I, I just want that. <laughs> nice. Well, you know, there's really exciting event that happened this week. The Apple had their annual release of their new iPhone 15. And if you were watching it live, you probably fell asleep. So my tip and trick this week <laughs> for you is to utilize a tool called Speech Note, where you could play the Apple event that was unbelievably boring, and it will translate it into notes, and then you could use AI to kind of get the cliff notes of it to know what actually happened at that boring event. But truthfully, this would actually be probably more useful in a classroom setting. I know a lot of kids now are recording the actual classroom, what do they call it? Dissertations or speeches? What do teachers Lectures. Give? <laughs> lectures. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Lectures. Yeah. <laughs> so they record those lectures so they can play them back later. And so if you get this I wish I had that opportunity note, when I was a kid, you know? Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> it's, it's cheat these days, you know? They got yeah, exactly. phone. They're like, our teachers were like, you're not going to have a calculator on you all the time. Yeah. I know. Well, you were yeah. wrong. <laughs> yeah. Now we, we have it literally in our pockets at all literally times. Literally do. All the time. Yeah. I can't leave home without. I'd rather leave my car keys than my phone. Like that's how important it's become. So I'd rather uh, go but, walk than I. <laughs> exactly. So speech note lets you take, read, and translate notes in multiple languages. It uses speech to text, text to speech, and machine translation to do so. Text and voice processing taking place entirely offline, so you don't have to worry about all of that privacy issues or. Maybe you're in an area where you don't have an internet connection. It does it locally on your computer without using a network connection. Your privacy is always respected. No data sent to the internet. It's brilliant. It's really cool. Check it out. It's called Speech Note, and you can get it as a flat pack. How nice, nice. is that? Yes. I, I like every time. When I look at an app, I the first thing I look for is, does it support flat pack? Yeah. yeah. And if it does, like, yes, okay, now I'll test it. And if it doesn't... I still will be like 50-50 of testing it. But he'll but do it with flat pack. It's like, yeah. why not? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be like, mm. Mm, I'll test you, but I'm not happy. <laughs> not You're making me compile it. How dare you? What year right. is this? Aw. Well, what I love to do is with uh, flat packs is I use Pop! OS and just ser search their uh, software store. So yeah, Pop! OS absolutely. Shop. Yeah. Makes it so easy. So let's move on to the tip of the week this week. And this is something I want to tell people because this is a very, it's a very interesting thing I want to talk about because most of the time I will give credit to, to Ryan. He writes the tips of the week mm -hmm. almost always. Not always, mm -hmm. but sometimes I do it. But usually it's me presenting it, but it's typically Ryan. But in this particular case, he didn't make one. Yeah. Uh -huh. So Ryan... Where, where's my tip? Well, I ah. wanted to do like a game show style for tip and trick here. I wanted to have some fun this week with tip and trick. So I didn't okay. put one in there on purpose <laughs> to because we're going to do, we talked about school and lectures and using speech note. Well, you're mm -hmm. about to get a pop quiz and I'm going to randomly 
give you something. I'm going to say this word out loud, and you have to give somebody a legitimate tip and trick in how to utilize said thing, having had no idea what I'm going to bring up here. Ryan, I thought we were friends. <laughs> we're frenemies. We're frenemies. <laughs> I should have known that way before now. <laughs> All right. But I'm not I'm not evil. We're frenemies, but we're not yeah, enemies. Yeah. I know, you know it sounds fun. It actually sounds fun. I was just kidding. I'm I'm so, I'm very curious to see if I can do this this new game of Ryan's. Do, do, so I'm gonna do, pick do, something do, 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 that you do, have do, a do. ton of experience with. Okay. That you know probably better than anyone else in the world. Basketball. Microsoft. Now, what? Microsoft Deep. Windows. Mine was less weird. <laughs> Microsoft Windows. But it's not just Microsoft Windows. That wouldn't be fair because I know what you would say. You'd say, just uninstall it. That's my tip and trick of the week. Exactly. Yeah. We're not going to go there. <laughs> you, sir, have been learning some really fancy things with oh, no. spreadsheets recently. <laughs> no, we're going to talk about And we're gonna talk right, I feel like everyone in their job. <laughs> uses spreadsheets at one point or another. So on the spot, and this is truly, we had Michael has no idea this was coming up. No yeah. idea. Give some folks some tips and tricks on things they could do with spreadsheets, either like Google Docs or Excel or or those type of only office uh, spreadsheets or those types. Okay. So it would be a very nerdy thing to be excited and pumped about giving tips of spreadsheets. Yes, I am, because I am a nerd, and I am really happy about this, because I didn't know we were doing this, and I was talking to Ryan multiple times for the past couple of weeks. Dude, uh -huh. I love Nerding spreadsheets, out. and I, <laughs> I've been saying that quite a bit. There are so many cool things you can do with spreadsheets. First of all, the idea of doing the sales and calculating the things, you don't have to... I learned this trick recently... You can put the the letter the letter and then the number, and that's the name of the sale. So it's a corresponding column, and then the, the row. So it's the, the the letter is the column, the the row is the number. Now, when you have a one, for example, if you put a one in a formula, and then you have colon, and you put just the letter a, it will do every single row underneath it forever, no matter what you're doing. If you want to duplicate that on multiple columns, but you have a variable that you don't want to change, for example, let's say you're doing A1 times B3, but you don't want B3 to ever change. So when you go through A2, A3, A4, you always want it to associate to B3. By default, when you do the whole drag and duplicate formula, it expands it and changes the number for everything. But if mm -hmm. you put the letter in between the letter and the number of what you want to keep, a dollar sign symbol, it will keep it exactly as it is. So that's a tip of like a permanence for your formula. That's and brilliant. I am, uh, I could go on. I, I'm really into this stuff. <laughs> well, I don't know we'll why. Bring it back. Yes. Excel spreadsheets next, not Excel spreadsheets only, but spreadsheets next week, or you could give some more tips on this because it is exciting. It is something that is very useful in your career. Some it is of so you useful have been using it forever. Some of you have a small business and really could benefit heavily from being proficient in spreadsheets and things. And a lot of these formulas like, you know, equals sum and then the parentheses and you drag the columns over and hit enter and it will automatically sum up everything in there. Those things are universal. You can use it in Google Docs. You can use it in Excel. You can use it in OnlyOffice. So, a lot of these are universal tricks that you can use across any of those, no matter if you're stuck in an office environment using Windows computer or Linux and anything else. And I love that you're nerding out on the uh, spreadsheets in there. It's, I think it is really probably cool. one of the most nerdiest things to nerd out on because yes. why would someone be so excited about spreadsheets? <laughs> yeah. what is, and that doesn't even make any sense to me, and yet I feel it. But also, in, in the future, tips, maybe not every week, but I do want to keep giving these tips because. I keep finding new things that are, I've made some really complicated spreadsheets, but I want to give you a quick note of why I was inspired to get into spreadsheets. So I was looking at these apps to do like personal finance and there's all bunches of apps. There's like the yet another thing and yet another budget, or there was the easy dollar from Dave Ramsey and all these different apps, but they all suffer from the same thing. I have to manually categorize every transaction. So I'm thinking, what do you do? If I have to manually do this, what's the difference between me manually doing it here and manually doing it in a spreadsheet? 
So I just started messing with a spreadsheet. And then I realized, oh, wow, spreadsheets are way better because then you can create your own reports and calculate the difference between what you're spending, what your expenses and versus your income and all this other stuff. Plus, you can also have multiple different sheets and have that's another tip for next week. I'm going to talk to you about <laughs> how you can link one sale from one sheet to another. Yes. Yeah. If you think Michael's cool now, wait till you see his spreadsheets. You, you are know? going to just love my yeah. spreadsheets. <laughs> You're going to love his spreadsheets. We got something exciting as well because we have scale Woo-hoo. just around the corner. Oh, just yeah. like the holidays, yes. right around the just corner. Just around the corner, <laughs> six months from now. <laughs> yes. Um, we have some exciting news to share from Scale. It's scheduled for March 14th through the 17th. That's 2024 at Pasadena Convention Center in Pasadena, California. Oh, thanks for telling me that. I was yeah. not, there was no chance I was going to get that. <laughs> so this is the annual event that all of us go to. If you want to meet me, Jill, Michael, you want to go to Scale. You want to plan for Scale. So go ahead and get the time off with your boss. First of all, create an awesome spreadsheet using Michael's tips and tricks. Impress your boss. Then ask for March 14th through the 17th exactly. off Perfect. to join us at the Pasadena Convention Center. You don't want to miss it. It's one of the greatest Linux events out there. You can meet the entire crew, plus all the amazing vendors, presenters, and open source enthusiasts out there. But preparations are already underway if you want to be a presenter at Scale 2024 because the applications are now open. So they're looking for presenters. If you have a talk, something you've been wanting to tell the community, share with the community, Michael, maybe you should submit a talk for spreadsheets there at Scale. You know, that's it. Oh. Yes, I will. T- I will show yeah. all the other nerds that are doing talks. That yes, I'm You'll the show best them spreadsheets. <laughs> yeah, because spreadsheets are even nerdily above Linux. Like there's Linux but, and then there's spreadsheets. Yeah, no, that, no, that's Linux the funny thing about it. Was, <laughs> I don't know. I don't. Okay, there's a difference between like using a spreadsheet and then like getting really yeah. into the formulas. That's pretty. Yeah, nerdy. that is pretty. Yeah. Nerdy. I mean, but you could do that on Linux, so that makes you you know even more nerdy. Yeah, so. yeah, you're like the ultimate nerd there. Yeah, I'm just attacking <laughs> the nerd level, nerd cred, just over and yeah. over and over. <laughs> So November 1st, 2023 is the deadline for proposal submission. So you don't have a lot of time to get your proposal in. So consider getting your proposal in really quickly. That's just right around the corner in November. And then December acceptance notifications begin. So that's when you'll know. So you don't hear back from them right away. Don't get sad and depressed. (laughs) Write that date down on a spreadsheet and know that you know, you'll get an acceptance notification in December. And sometimes, Jill, it seems like they those notifications may come out even a little later yeah. at times because yeah. some people cancel or things get moved. So, um, yeah, see if you get accepted. Share your project, passion, or ideas at scale this year and get your proposals in now. Everybody's getting prepared. Woo-hoo. So that's it. End of our show. A big thank you to each and every one of you for watching or listening to Destination Linux, however you do it. We love your faces. Even if half your face is numb, we still love both sides Especially of your face. Especially if half your yeah. face is numb. Yeah. Because with, with Ryan's case, he's here doing the show just after going to the dentist. And yes, that is impressive and out of his mind. He says it's impressive, but as soon as I joined the show, he said, what's up, numb face? And I'm like, oh. really, Michael? Really? Numb face? You got to go there? <laughs> I mean, it's rude. Go to Tux I mean, I Digital. Didn't know, I didn't do that, people, because I didn't know his, his face was numb until after that. Yeah. <laughs> So remember, people, sometimes Ryan makes up things about me. Not true. It's not true. (laughs) Go to TuxDigital.com slash Discord and come hang out with us and the community there in Discord. Discord's getting a ton of new features and stuff out there, too. So go check out Discord if you haven't before. It's a really cool place to hang out. Find other people to talk about spreadsheets with right there in Discord. And uh, and if you're wanting to talk about spreadsheets, I'm there. Let's do it. Let's do it. And also, you can become a patron and get a ton of cool perks. In addition to being on the Discord, if you become a patron, you get special access in the Discord. Plus, you can get other cool stuff, like we have a patron-only post show that we do after the show every week. So if you want to join us live, you can watch it live and then join us for a post show right after and so much more. So go to tuxdigital.com slash membership to sign up. Also, we have some cool stuff coming. We're not going to announce everything just yet, but be sure to go to tuxdigital.com slash membership if you want to find out all the other stuff that we're coming out with maybe a few weeks or so. So just a little teaser right there. Now, also, if you want to support the show, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash store and get all the cool swag we have. We have t-shirts, hoodies, mugs, hats, stickers, and just so much more at tuxdigital.com slash store. 
And make sure to check out all the amazing shows here on Tux Digital. This week, though, we went to celebrate one of our hosts of the Fit and Fueled podcast. So the host of our newest podcast, Nikki, has achieved some amazing and incredible things. That's why we picked her to host this show. She just added two more overall national wins to her already impressive record. Her bodybuilding and fitness victories at the Lee Haynes Games and the All-State Championship. Wow. However, just last week, she also secured her IFBB Pro Card at the North American Championship. She went to win in a single category out of three and ended up winning in two of three categories. Nikki is so amazing and we are so proud of her. Congratulations, yeah. Nikki. And make sure I mean, to check out amazing. our Fit and Fueled podcast, which is a human approach to fitness. Yeah, that's what I love about that show is that despite the fact that she is a, obviously an extraordinarily accomplished professional bodybuilder, mm -hmm. just a normal human approach to fitness and nutrition and things that everyone can do yeah. to get a little healthier, which gives us a little more brain power, allows us to do more spreadsheets. So exactly <laughs> more spreadsheets. And Ryan, yeah. what is this human approach to fitness? Don't you want the person who is your trainer or your fitness coach or the person who's to a podcast to just scream at you and get, <laughs> get those gains and all those things? Doesn't isn't that what they're supposed to do? Apparently, that's what everyone else tries to do. But Nikki goes in there and says, hey, let's just be reasonable. Still enjoy some of the food that you like and other things, but let's add some healthier stuff in there. Mm -hmm. And then instead of like, hey, join the gym and work out six hours a day, uh, even though you have a full-time job creating spreadsheets, she's going to say, nah, how about you just try to get to the gym, work out 20 minutes if you can. And here's some cool things that you can do. Any amount of time is good. Just get healthier, You know, feed some energy in there. It's really cool, her approach to it. Check out Fit and Fueled Podcast. That's why we brought her on to the network because it's really awesome and I think you'll enjoy it and it fits in uh, with you know getting your brain and body all in sync together. Yeah, I've been really okay. enjoying her tips on getting better sleep. That, that yes. has been tremendous because there's there are things that I always knew you could do, but she just kind of really nailed it in me and I'm paying attention more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and everyone head to textdigital.com as well and subscribe to all our great shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. And specifically, five out of five rating, that's what you're supposed to leave if you yeah, didn't know. 100%. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody, have a great week. And remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, I'll everyone. See you next week. Love you all.